Welcome to the Lighthouse Writers Workshop podcast. Because sometimes what a writer needs most is other writers, even virtually. We kick off the 2011 Writer's Buzz series with The Writer's New Year, Overcoming Roadblocks to Creativity, in which popular lighthouse instructor, novelist, and writer's coach Doug Kurtz led an interactive session that explored where creativity comes from, what impedes it, and why the myth of the depressed, addicted writer is foolish and detrimental to one's creative life. I'm Andrea Dupree. I know a lot of you. I'm the program director at Lighthouse Writers Workshop. And um, a lot of you, are some of you new here tonight? Yeah. How, uh, not to put you on the spot, but... Why did you come? No, I'm not going to... I won't. We'll talk later, those of you who raised your hand. I have it memorized. So this is a series that we do thanks to the members of Lighthouse Writers Workshop who will raise their hands. How many are members? Oh my gosh. Well, I I guess it's thanks to all of you um, that we have this monthly series meant to get writers together. That's always our secret agenda, to get writers meeting each other, get writers out of their house, and really get writers out of their pajamas and into street clothes. Did did you guys, did I mention to get them writing? Um, And tonight's no exception, we've got one of our great instructors, Doug Kurtz. And one of the things I do as program director is I get to um, hire people. I get to surround myself with greatness. And the first time I met with Doug after he had taught a few classes, he completely blew my mind because we met at a Starbucks or something and I meant to just have a really informal chat, how are your classes going and everything and he whips out this three ring binder (laughs) with printouts and like notes that he took after each class, like what worked, where did it falter and I felt like I had this epiphany about what's wrong with my life. (laughs) And who can get you on the right track and he, I, I just saw some note cards he has note cards tonight um, that could fix a lot for me also I wanted to say that our Doug Kurtz who's speaking tonight is not only a great instructor but he has a novel out called Mosquito is the second one out yet? This, I, I, that was a little awkward sorry um, <laughs> Mosquito, um, and that's available. We didn't bring it because that would have made sense. See, if I had the charts and the binder <laughs> that Doug has, we would have his book. Oh, he has, he's got a couple of copies, so they will first come, first serve. Um, so before I ruin the entire evening, I'm going to introduce Doug Kurtz. <laughs> Thank you. Can everybody hear me okay? I have kind of a lot going on here, so I'll try to stay uh, behind the mic. First, I want to say thanks to Mike and Andrea for putting this thing together, uh, and to Lighthouse and the Lighthouse community, and to 910 Arts for opening their doors up to us and letting us um, have this wonderful space. Um, 
You know, we're going to talk about roadblocks tonight, impediments to creativity. Uh, is, is everybody in here a writer? Can I just get a show of hands? Who's, who's a writer? Okay, I might take a more specific poll in a while, so it looks like some of us are and some of us aren't, and we'll kind of deal with that as we go. But we're going to be looking at roadblocks and coming here, you're coming here and having the space available and uh, this community available is, in my mind, one big step on the way to removing whatever roadblocks uh, you may have impeding your writing or whatever else, whatever else it is you're trying to do. Because when we come together, getting past those impediments is easier than when we try to do it alone in our pajamas, as uh, Andrea was saying. Um, so your being here is the first step. It definitely helps. Whether or not anything I say after this will help, we'll see. So on we go. Um, I got a nice introduction from Andrea, and I just wanted to let you know, I see some familiar faces out there, but not everybody has met me. My name's Doug Kurtz. I'm a novelist, so I'm one of the writers in the room. Um, Mosquito, my novel was published in 2007, and my current novel, Hunter's Island, is underway, and it's behind schedule, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm facing some of the same types of roadblocks writers run into that are probably widespread among us. So we're going to kind of look at those uh, as we go, and I'll use myself as an example in this talk. Um, I also do coaching for writers, so I coach writers through story and concept issues, and also through the roadblocks that they might be facing as they're going through their projects. Um, and that kind of branched out into life coaching, so helping people, non-writers, use writing to get over some of the blocks and roadblocks that they're facing. Um, and uh, writing as you know, is a very powerful tool because it gives us access into that part of our minds that isn't quite up there on the conscious level. So it's a great way to tap into ourselves, um, find material that we may not be aware of, and use it. It's also a great problem-solving tool, um, a great thinking tool, a great recording tool. So it's been a very... Uh, um, effective tool in coaching uh, for me, for myself, and with people that I've worked with. I'm going to get you guys to do some of that tonight, which is why I have that paper on your laps. Just a second. So let's try to keep it loose in here tonight. And, um, you know, it's uh, uh, looking at this kind of material that we're going to look at can sometimes be a little bit daunting. And on the, on the description for tonight, it said interactive. And everyone uh, kind of goes, oh, my God, interactive. What does that mean? Um, I am going to get you to do some stuff, but it's nothing to be worried about. So we'll just try to keep it uh, nice and easy. Um, and you might be checking in with somebody that you talk to later on some of the material that we go through tonight. So here's what we're doing. Um, it's January 22nd. It's still sort of freshly the new year. So I kind of want to enter this in the spirit of the new year and in the spirit of making resolutions uh, and trying to do those things in our writing lives and our lives at large that we want to do. Uh, I'm already kind of slipping. Is anybody else slipping on resolutions out there? I mean, be honest, really. Uh, yeah, I see a lot of nods. What about uh, people who are successfully seeing their resolutions through? Can I see a show of hands? Yeah, that's great. Okay, so uh, we're gonna. Here, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna put a new spin on resolutions tonight. So this is kind of how I want it to look. Uh, I want to instead of focusing on that big, often nebulous goal that we put out in front of ourselves, I want to focus on the things that are in the way of that big nebulous goal that we often don't look at or even realize are there. So 
that's the spin on resolution making, and we're going to call those things roadblocks as per our promotional material. Uh, and then I want to tap into our creative sides a little bit and see what's in there, see what kind of roadblocks are hanging out for each of us and then talk about ways that we can start to eliminate them. So by the end of the night, if all goes well, I'm hoping that everybody in here will leave with a roadblock that's specific to them uh, and some ways to eliminate it. And then whether or not you, you take the steps to do that, that's up to you. And then if, if there's time at the end, we'll have like a little question-answer thing and we can just bounce some things back and forth. So please... Feel free to interrupt me at any time during this if you have a question or you want to make a comment. Um, I'd like to keep it as conversational as possible, even though there are like 100 of you and only one of me. Um, I, I just kind of like to think that things can work that way. If you want another beer. What's that? Can you hear me now? Wow, that made a huge difference. Okay, yeah, so exactly what I'm talking about. If something's unclear technically or otherwise, please let me know. Um, and I might, can you hear me if I don't talk into the microphone? No, okay, well, I'll try to stay in front of the microphone as much as possible. I'm kind of a mover, so this is a little awkward for me, but um, I'll try to make it work. Okay, so uh, get up if you need a beer, if you need to move around, that's fine. I, I have no problem with that. Please participate. You know, when we do the little exercises, you have your paper. This probably isn't going to be for everybody, but try it anyway. See how it goes, and you'll probably leave here with something that you didn't come in with, and that's good. We didn't really get a great show of hands about who's making resolutions and who isn't, but I looked it up on the internet, and only about 15% of people who set resolutions make their resolutions. Um, and I took the liberty of doing the math ahead of time for the writers out there. That means 85% of you don't make your resolutions. Um, I'm, right now, I'm definitely in the 85%. I'm, I'm trying to do something about that. So why? If you're not making your resolutions, why not? What's happening? I'm sorry, I heard something. Because the resolution is pointless? The thing itself is pointless. Well, sometimes we put something out there that's too big, or it might be a little bit vague, and we're not even really sure what it is exactly or why we're shooting for it. So that's one reason. Anything else? Anybody else have a reason why they're not making it? Well, still trying to last year. <laughs> <laughs> the backlog. Yeah. Okay, that's a big one, right? It's not specific enough. It's this nebulous thing that we say, like, I'm going to be a better person this year. And then, you know, six months into it, we're still the same, and we don't even really know what we meant. So, yeah, getting really concrete and specific is a big deal. Anything else? I like that. That's a great thing. Okay, I, you know, that's never really occurred to me, but yeah, resolve, do it again. So it's just like this repeating thing that we can't get out of. Okay, so um, let's call them something else. Goals? Uh, 
destination. We'll call it a, well, we're talking roadblocks, so let's have this be our, our destination. Uh, what else? What else? I saw another hand back there from somebody. Discipline, yeah. Actually doing the thing. I'm going to kind of harp on that a little bit at the end here because if you don't do the thing, the thing doesn't happen. So a lot of us get through the, the this is what I'm going to do stage, maybe even the planning stage, but then we don't do the stuff that we need to do to make it happen. Anything else? Well, sort of like Andrew talked about is, you know, getting it on your calendar and just kind of making it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so if we have a specific enough resolution and we have specific steps to take toward it and we put them somewhere so they come up when we need to do them and we do the thing, then they start to happen. So that's sort of tracking, I guess, being able to track them. I hope we get that far tonight, but I don't know if we will. Yeah, fear and the fear of success. Oh my God, I did it. So instead of that, we just keep erecting roadblocks so we don't get to that point. Maybe we're actually getting more out of what we're not doing and, um, and correcting it wouldn't give us quite as much. So... Are you talking about, like, indulging the things that are preventing you from getting where you... Okay, you know what this makes me think of? Um, setting goals that aren't really your own. Um, taking somebody else's values and making those into a goal and saying, you know what, I should do this. And then never doing it because it's not really yours. So that's maybe a should versus want thing. You have to want to do the things that you set out to do. Uh, if you're doing them because you think you should or because somebody else told you you should or there's a cultural pressure to or some other kind of pressure to, then it's hard to see those things through. So that's good. That's a lot of reasons why we're not making it. Let me see if I had any more on here. Um, you know, that's pretty much it. You guys kind of hit all the ones that I listed out here. Something that's happening to me currently that maybe is happening to you out there is uh, how to phrase this. It's too much focus on the goal itself. You know, looking way out there instead of taking time to look at the things that are keeping you from getting there. So if my goal is to write 10 pages a week, and I'm sitting down at the computer every day, but at the end of the week, I don't have 10 pages, something interfered with my getting those. Those are the roadblocks that I'm talking about. So that's kind of where I want us to put our attention tonight. What things are getting in the way, and can we move them aside? Uh, let me just... Who's a poet? Are we, do we have poets out there? Okay, we got poets. How about novelists? Good, got some novelists. Nonfiction writers? You know, uh, memoir writers? I guess the same thing. Um, short story. Oh, yeah, short story. I knew there was something I was forgetting. Uh, what about screenwriters? A little bit. Uh, how about Flash? Yeah. Anything else that I that I didn't get? Playwriting. Oh yeah. Who's a playwright? Okay. Just just kind of curious about what our breakdown was. Who's not a writer? Who's just here? Okay. What do you guys do? 
I support a writer. <laughs> okay, so we have we have writer supporters also. Um, accountability coaches. I like that. Okay, so we have accountability coaches and writers. Uh, you know, as creative people, writers, and you know, everyone everyone has creativity in them, whatever they're doing. And as creative people, we tend to run up against a lot of different types of roadblocks that prevent us from getting uh, to our destination or to our goal. And those take the form of uh, habits, um, behaviors, which I guess is kind of the same thing, uh, circumstances in our lives, uh, issues and relationships, um, jobs. Anybody have one of those? Anybody have a job out there? Yeah. Horrible things, those. I'm constantly getting in the way. Uh, let's see what else do I have on here. Um, ooh, how about this one? Automatic negative thoughts, negative thinking, re- recurring. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people. Ha- a lot of people have those. We call them ants. Automatic negative thoughts. No, stamp the ants. Um, what about anybody have any uh, old voices from the past hanging out there that are causing impediments? Yeah. I call it my mother. <laughs> <laughs> At least you know who it is. like, uh, you know, not sleeping enough or not eating right. I mean, these all become impediments uh, to, our, to our reaching our goals. Those are big general categories that I just laid out, and they're all going to be specific to each of us. You know, we're all going to find our own specific roadblocks. So I just wrote down a couple of mine as examples. I was kind of, as I was thinking about this talk, thinking about things that are specifically kind of impeding me right now. So I'm going to throw those out just as, as examples. I bet some of you guys do this. You're writing. It starts to get kind of difficult because you're not sure what's happening or what's going to happen next. So you page up two pages and line edit back to where you were. And then it's still difficult, so you page up four pages and line edit back to where you were. Um, This is a horrifying habit uh, (laughs) that I happen to be dealing with right now. So I listed that as one of my uh, uh, impediments. Here's another one that I know you guys have. Hmm, things are getting kind of hard now. Better check email. Okay. So, what's that? Facebook, yeah, anything. The computer is kind of like our best friend and our worst enemy, but definitely have the email habit. Here's another one that's kind of been coming up. Comparing myself to other writers who I view as more skilled or talented, and then using that as a reflector on some kind of ineptitude. You know, oh gosh, I can't do it like he can, so this is I suck syndrome, right? So, uh, so anybody else have anything like that going on or have anything like have had anything in the past? Yeah, it's okay to admit it. It happens to all of us. Um, so those are some of the things that we see getting in the way. Now here's one of my challenges tonight is I have to talk into the microphone, but I also have to draw on the board. So uh, I'm going to say something and then draw it. Um, in coaching, we have this concept called the gap. Okay, And I want to talk about what the gap is, and I'm going to draw it up here on the board. It'll just take a second. Okay, so that's our starting point A. Can I take this out? 
Now, now that's good. Oh, that's way better. Okay. So that's uh, that's our starting point A. That's our destination B, right? I drew this as a road since we're talking roadblocks. Anything in between A and B we call the gap. Okay. And all our impediments, all the stuff that is keeping us from moving forward lives inside the gap. So we're going to be working on that thing uh, tonight. If you're leaving things in the gap, even if you have a destination that's really clear and really yours and really important to you that you really want to reach, if you're not paying attention to the stuff that's in here, you don't get there. So that's kind of like that 10 pages example. I want to write 10 pages every day. It's very clear. I really want to do it, but it's not happening. Something's in this gap that I need to eliminate. Uh, I was going to, I don't know if I can draw and hold my cards and talk into this at the same time. Let's see. You guys back there can't see the gap, can you? Three-dimensional. Those are roadblocks, by the way. You know, a, a really weird thing is, is sometimes we know what the roadblocks are. Like, I know about that whole paging up habit and rereading, but sometimes we don't even know what they are. You know, sometimes we're uh, letting things get in the way that we're not even really aware of, and we kind of have to get in there and figure that out. Um, but, so, just to reiterate, I'm thinking, why not focus on these things? Uh, not ignoring our destination, but why not get in here and really focus on the roadblocks and do our work in there? instead of over here, and then maybe, magically, as we eliminate these, we'll be able to drive down that road to our destination. So that's kind of the plan here. Are you willing to try it? Yeah. Especially if you're one of the 85%, you kind of got to go for it with me. should only take three or four hours, and then, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take, honestly, but we'll, we'll see how we do. Um, Change is really hard, right? We, we kind of heard that over here. Making meaningful changes is difficult to do. It takes a lot of effort. Uh, you have to be willing to do the work. And that means that this, the destination, has to be pretty important to you. It has to be meaningful. Now, I don't know how many people are in here, but something like 75 or 80. Um, and we're not all writers. Some of us are accountability coaches. So... For the purposes of this group, I'm going to generalize a destination for us that I hope will apply across the board. We'll do a little bit of work to get it more specific, um, but for now, here's what uh, I'd like it to be. Here's our destination. To be the best, blank, poet, novelist, playwright, short story writer, accountability coach, I can be by freeing up my creativity. Okay, by moving those roadblocks out of the way. Sound good? Does it feel legitimate to everybody? Something worth shooting for? Okay, good. Awesome. I heard, I heard awesome out there. I like that. So we're going to go into this with the idea that we're more powerful in our lives, in our writing, in whatever we do, when we make an ongoing, consistent effort to identify roadblocks and move them out of the way. It's not a one-off deal. you got to keep working at it. You have to be doing it all the time. Um, so let's go in with that attitude, and if we do that, then we're more likely to arrive at our destination. 
So here's where we get to that myth thing that was on the blurb for tonight. Probably right now, in a lot of our minds, there are myths about writing operating that are keeping us from moving smoothly down that road. Here's an example. This is my example. This is one that I've kind of battled with personally over the years. We've all seen the guy, it's usually a guy, sometimes it's a woman, sitting at a typewriter with a steaming cup of coffee, cranking out one perfect page after another, laying it in a pile next to the typewriter, finishing relatively quickly, smoking a cigarette, drinking a flute of champagne, calling their agent, getting a million dollar advance, and going on their merry way. Anybody else have this in their minds? (laughs) Seriously, do you? Is it out there? Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. This guy or girl sitting at the typewriter presents an impossible standard to measure up to. It's this mythical figure, and whenever we think about writing, and I think it maybe pertains to novelists especially, because it's usually a novelist, um, whenever we think about writing, this person pops into our minds. And for me, in the past, has led to feelings of doubt about what I was doing. Um, Definitely moments of not wanting to go on, so creating a serious impediment or a serious roadblock on my journey to the end of a novel, and eventually to that feeling of ineptitude, the I suck syndrome. If I can't do it like that, what's the point? What am I even doing? Um, if, if I had talent, if I had skill, I'd be able to rip those pages out really quickly, stack them in a pile, and, and, and be happy forevermore. So that's an example of a myth that's functioning kind of in uh, the psyche of a lot of writers. And we need to get it out of there. So I want to start with that example, and then I want to solicit you guys for other myths that are in your minds now that are preventing you from moving forward. Uh, But let's talk about this. I call it the myth of perfect prose. They should be able to sit down, or poetry, or whatever, sit down and write perfectly on the first go. What's the reality? Zip. Where'd that come from? Uh, uh, (laughs) Well, let's talk about what the reality is. If you're not sitting down pumping out perfect page after page, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, you're checking email, of course. (laughs) Writing the first sentence over and over again. Um, So, is it realistic to think that anybody can sit down and write perfect page after page? No, what? I'm trying to get you to say something, but you're not saying it. Uh, well, there's this whole myth that Jack Kerouac wrote on the road in two days. Is it true? No, it's not. Maybe he rewrote it over five years, but he perpetuated this myth himself. And, and that's like a huge, like, um, um, daunting thing to think about. You know? But that, you know, that's a great point because like, on the other side of the spectrum, all died. Uh, as quoted as saying, he cranked out, as uh, Tom Henry, he cranked out 3,000 words of product a day. And so, how do you compete? Okay, if you, if you think about that, then. And Stephen King, right? Uh, he wrote ten pages a day, every day, even over the holidays. I mean, come on. Uh, there are people out there probably producing that much raw material, but whether or not it all makes it between the covers of a book, yeah, I don't think so. Well, is he writing really? I mean, you can... <laughs> 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 
that's coming out. I mean, ultimately, this is a question that we have to answer. If you go to the bookshelf and you look at all the books on your bookshelf, there's just this sort of impulse to think that they happen relatively quickly and easily for the person who, who wrote those books, but that's not the case. The effort, the frustration, the elation, the disappointment, uh, the revision, etc., that went in between the two covers of any book on that shelf uh, is way in excess of what we give most authors credit for. So even Stephen King, who's pumping out 10 pages a day, has to get in there and work it and change it and make it do something. So the myth of perfect prose is, is just that. It's a myth. On some level, if you're entertaining that myth, this is my opinion, and I'd like to hear from you guys too, you're not embracing the reality of the writing process. Right? You're not going into it with the understanding that you have essentially two jobs to do as a writer if we break them down. Job one, generate material. Right? Generate the, the stuff that comes from that well of creativity that we all have. Job two, take that stuff and shape it into something that makes a book happen or makes a poem happen or makes a memoir happen. The parts of the brain that do those two jobs are different. And some of us are better on one side than the other. Some of us have a pretty good balance. Others are way jammed over to the other side. Um, but ultimately, one of the jobs of the writer, one of the things that you have to do, that you have to embrace, is that you're going to have to negotiate the two sides of your brain and, and somehow find the way that they work together. And if we're thinking uh, about this guy sitting down at the typewriter cranking out those perfect pages, we're ignoring that altogether uh, to our own doom a lot of the time. Um, excuse me. It's just not a real, a realistic way to look at things. I have this. I have a couple of quotes on these cards. I was just trying to find one. Um, remember this quote from Thomas Edison: "Genius, I think it was genius or success or something, is 10% inspiration, 90% perspiration." Okay. And and if you're a writer out there working now, you know that that's absolutely true. If not, I think the balance might even bend more towards perspiration and inspiration. But people who are entertaining that myth about the guy at the typewriter are thinking if they're not inspired and able to crank things out, that something's wrong with them and, and they can't move forward. Uh, let's see. Here's something else that I think is important. It's one thing to embrace the writing process and to free yourself and say, okay, a process has to happen for me to get from the beginning of a book to the end of a book. I mean, that's very liberating. On the one hand, it's like, oh gosh, I wish that weren't true because it's going to take a lot of work. But on the other hand, you free yourself from this whole idea of perfect prose. The next step to take is to not only embrace writing as a process and be okay with that, but to find your own process. How do you do it best? What works for you? And to step right into that, pay attention to that, and start using it so that you can be your own writer and do it your best way. Anybody have any comments about that? Because we're going to move on. Okay, so do you feel liberated from the guy at the typewriter like I do? Yeah? Did I hear a no? Liberate yourself from the guy at the typewriter. So if he's gone, we got a roadblock out of the way. So that was
was my example, and I have some other ones too. I mean, there are a lot of them out there, but I want to hear from you guys. What's a myth that's been in your mind that you've heard that is standing in your way about writing or creativity?
Yeah, there's only a couple hundred people like me in the world that make money writing. That doesn't mean you guys shouldn't write. It just means set your expectations up. And so you're saying, you know, there's a couple of geniuses, but maybe not a genius. Or even and, if you are, you're going to And you're going to go. Then, then take the value in your work, not, not in the fact that you have this amazing success. Uh, you know what, I think that what, what Gary just said is, is true for almost every myth and everything that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, it's that if you are writing from your passion, if you are able to find your personal meaning and reasons for doing it, and that's what's motivating you forward, then none of this stuff even matters. Um, it's just that we have these things functioning in our minds and we set these high expectations and we try to measure up against them even if they don't belong to us. So we were talking over here about, about uh, setting resolutions or goals that aren't really yours. Same idea. So, you know, with this publishing thing, you have to be published to be a writer. There are lots of great writers out there who aren't published. Um, there are lots of great writers out there who don't even send their work out. You know, who, who, who don't even care. Um, so if you're writing from your personal meaning and you're, you're letting it come up from your passion, then it doesn't matter whether you're published or not. If you're writing and it's meaningful to you, then you've got to call yourself a writer. You have to give yourself permission to do that. So, um, yeah, get that, get that one out of your head. It just simply doesn't matter. What else? Any other myths out there? Okay. Whenever you read an author's bio, they don't tell you about the time you just stared at a, a blank page for three days or the time that they took a walk you know, for 12 hours or whatever because they couldn't get the words out. It, it seems it simplifies the experience that that writer seems to go through instead of saying, he's just like you, she's just like you. They, you know, dealt with the vomiting maybe and they dealt with, you know, the, with having to do the phone bell and all that. The bio simplifies what you think the writer is going through and therefore making it not like us. I like that. That sounds like similar to the myth of perfect prose, right? That these people are out there doing this without any kind of struggle, that they're just sort of distilled versions of human beings and that they were able to fairly simply accomplish this thing. We never get to look at the gritty underbelly of the writer. You know, all that horrible stuff that they go through to get to get there.
his, I think it was actually a whiteboard, you know, in his boxers, totally unable to comprehend what he had done, and you know, just came up against this huge block. So uh, we're all facing these things. Even the people who have their words between two published covers, they're going through it too. All right, thanks, Carrie. Anything else? Yeah.
right, well, you've got to be depressed, insane, uh, addicted, etc. Or you're simply not going to have the creative juice you need to get anywhere. So how about that one? Anybody have heard that one? Anybody feel that one? Like, gee, I'm pretty happy. I guess my novel's going to be horrible. Um, yeah, so this is, this is prevalent. And somebody was saying, uh, I can't remember who out there, that, that it's often stories about writers, stories about artists that kind of propagate these myths. So we have people like Hemingway, um, Kafka, even when well, we were talking about Stephen King earlier. So addiction, depression definitely played a role uh, in, in his life too. So there are lots of uh, artists and writers' stories out there that help propagate this myth. And I don't know the answer to this exactly. I don't know if that depression and addiction helped them with their writing. I suspect it probably didn't. I mean, we all go through our ups and downs. We all get our material a lot of the time from the tensions in life. But does wallowing in those and staying in them open us up to the creativity and productivity we need to get something like a novel or a memoir or a collection of short stories written? I think probably not. Most writers that I know, including some in this room, are pretty happy. And when they have an event or something happens to them that brings them down, they make an ongoing, consistent effort to remove the roadblocks caused by those events because they know that they write better and more productively when they feel good. Yeah, or you mean to, to write well? Yeah, that, that's the addiction side of it. You have to be, I mean, one of the myths that I, that I wrote down in these uh, uh, cards is uh, all writers drink. And of course, we're all standing here with a beer, but um, maybe all writers do drink, but it doesn't help with the writing. We all know that. Sometimes we really hope that it will, right? We sit down and we have that glass of wine, and 15 minutes later, we're like, oh, screw it, I can't do it. Um, so yeah, there's, there, you know, this is part of the, uh, part of this myth that you have to be in an altered state to be able to write well. And, and granted, there have been some pretty remarkable works of art written in, in altered states and in depressed states, but for the vast majority of us, that doesn't help. Uh, you know, I, I have a couple of quotes that that I put on my cards too, thinking that they kind of address this issue in an interesting way. R.M. Berlin, anybody heard of this guy? Uh, medical doctor who does a lot of research about depression and creativity, especially uh, among writers. So listen to this. <laughs> yeah, he's actually going to be here when I'm done. Uh, the idea that depression might enhance creativity is a myth, often based on the life stories and statements of deceased artists and writers. Contemporary writers who are alive and can tell us about their experience with depression are consistent in reporting that it was only after effective psychiatric treatment that they were able to create at their highest levels. So there's tons of research out there um, dispelling the myth about depression and creativity. And now it's kind of even turned the corner because now there's research out there um, that shows a direct link between emotions like joy and, and 
lack of inhibition. What, what word am I looking for? Uninhibitedness. Um, but actually, a creativity. Creativity. <clears throat> you know when you have that childlike abandon, or sometimes called the white light, when you're really wrapped up in your creative mind and you're not thinking about it, and off you go, and there's nothing standing in the way. That's liberating, right? That's joyous. That's enlightening. So those emotions facilitate that process. That process facilitates those emotions. So there's kind of a virtuous cycle. If you feel good and you have a great night or day writing, you're that much more likely to wake up the next day with some kind of creative breakthrough or more momentum forward. If you are feeling badly and you have a bad day writing, you're more likely to wake up the next day not feeling like doing it again and spiraling down uh, into that I suck syndrome. So making an ongoing effort, a consistent ongoing effort to identify and remove the things that are excuse me, in your way facilitates you're joining with those feelings that aid creativity. <clears throat> Everybody agree with that? I mean, are we all in agreement on that? Yes. Every now and then there's somebody who's not, and it makes things kind of interesting. But I'm glad. I'm glad we're all in agreement there. Oh, I like this. You know when you hear an interview with an author, and they say, you know, the story just wrote itself.
often when we come back and look at it with our other brain, it has judgments to make that maybe are valid, which is why you need both sides of the brain. You need to keep that exchange going so that you can take the material that you wrote and you can find the pieces of it that are valid and, and shape them in, into what's going to be your final product. And you don't get those connections. We've all had this, right? Synchronicities or epiphanies when we write. You, you, you write something three months ago and you stumble on it again and you realize that you planted a seed for yourself way back then that becomes part of your project now. That kind of synchronistic um, connection doesn't happen when you're dwelling in the emotions or experiences or habits or roadblocks um, that get in your way. So, nice. I think that was, that was good. Okay, we're about to move on to a, to a writing exercise, but I have, I have another quote that, that I think addresses this that we're talking about. Anybody heard of Eric Mizell? Yeah, has anybody, anybody read Eric Mizell? He's a, he's a writer and a psychotherapist and a creativity coach and has a lot of really good advice for writers. He wrote The Van Gogh Blues and Coaching the Artist Within. The highly recommended books for anybody who's dealing with this kind of stuff. And, and this is a quote on self-support. It's a little cheesy maybe, but, but it kind of gets to the heart of what we're talking about, that you have to be a consistent, ongoing roadblock remover to stay in the mindset that lets you create at your most powerful. Here it is. The very essence of self-support is rushing to yourself to help. Rather than stepping back to judge whether you really deserve some kindness, Rather than waiting because you want to wallow in pain and prove to yourself that the facts of existence are disappointing, you offer yourself that kindness without hesitation. Events that could bruise your ego and hurt your heart happen constantly. Each time you must put an arm around your own shoulder, walk yourself away from the pain, and have a friendly conversation with yourself until you are distracted enough that you can get back to your creating. So, constant, ongoing supporting of ourselves to keep us moving forward. Look at how common these myths are to everybody in this room. I mean, I think it's just an amazing thing. Whenever I talk about this, I see how widespread they are. And when we come together and we look at them together, they're that much easier to abolish. So, yeah, nice work. Who's done some free writing? I mean, if you've been in a writing workshop, you've probably done free writing. Uh, what, what have you done it, what have you used it for? Inspiration. Okay, inspiration. Anybody else? Um, I found that on occasions when uh, I would go to my writer's group and do free writing, I might feel like um, totally uninspired, tired, I don't know why I'm bothering going, but I feel awkward because I don't be there. And in those free writing exercises, I've written some of the most amazing stuff and I have no idea where it came from. Okay. Uh, that's kind of the, the point of free writing, I think, is uh, to get into that place where we're uninhibited enough to generate material whose origin we, we can't really explain. Um, to turn off that critic, free ourselves up enough that our creative selves come out onto the page. So... Um, we're going to do some free writing in a second, and I'm going to give you some guidelines for doing it. I just want to say that when, when you do it, it's important to give yourself permission to be uninhibited, permission to let 
let whatever's going to come out come out without judging it. And the way that you do that is once you start writing, you keep your hand moving and you don't stop it. And that's kind of the key. As soon as you stop your hand from moving, Lefty comes on and says, that was stupid. You should redo that. You know, that was a bad sentence. Your ideas aren't really that good. And we need to keep that part of ourselves quiet because that's when we can access what Yvonne's talking about, this kind of well of ideas, and I didn't know where they, where they came from. Pay attention when you do the free write to when your left brain wants to come on. Feel the difference between when you're kind of flowing forward and when something wants to step in to inhibit you. And when that happens, just keep your hand moving. If nothing's coming up into your mind, write the prompt that I'm going to give you over and over again until something starts to flow. So we're going to do one to warm up. Uh, and this is it. It's going to help. Here's where I have to write on the board again and not talk. But it's going to help. Uh, it's going to help you get more specific about the destination point to be the best writer, teacher, lawyer, accountability coach you can be by freeing up your creativity. So here's the prompt. Uh, I'm thinking positively, uh, feeling good. 
good, I'm feeling fit, I'm eating right, I'm getting my other stuff done, and I'm giving writing priority over, over most other things. When those things are in place, I'm off and running. So my destination B, to be the best writer I can be by freeing up my creativity, um, has all those ideas attached to it. So that's kind of the destination I'm trying to arrive at. Does anybody want to give an example of something they ran into in their free write? Yeah, please. Well, uh, sort of the uh, inhibition and allowing myself to sort of be free when I'm writing, most of my ideas start just arriving to me from wherever. And I just start barreling through thoughts and putting down on paper and not stopping. So I think that's, that was sort of the end of that. Okay, so when you're uninhibited, you're writing, you're writing better. So you need to eliminate roadblocks that are inhibiting you. Um, anybody else have an example, specific personal example? If not, that's okay. We'll move on. Okay, so now you have some conditions for creativity that are personal to you, and you're warmed up. Okay, the next free write we're going to do is called a listing free write. So instead of that kind of free flow across the lines that you did that time, you're going to make a list. Every time you come up with one item, break to the next line for the next one. Don't stop. Same deal. Keep the pen moving. Um, if nothing's coming to you, just write the prompt again as your next list item. Or just write, I don't know, I don't know, until something starts to come. But don't let that left brain get in the way. So, oh, this is important too. Um, just like good writing needs to be concrete and specific to move us, these list items should be as concrete and specific as you can make them because then they're easier to work with. You might not be able to get to the level of specificity that you want when you're in that kind of flow, but in, be as concrete and specific as you can uh, while you're going. Here's your prompt. What specific roadblocks are in my gap? Okay? Specifically for you, what are these roadblocks? Okay, that's three minutes. So how'd that go? Anything surprising come up there? Nope, got some no's. Anybody get something shocking and unexpected? A couple of people? So... After you do a free write or a list, go inside it and process it for the information that's resonating with you. So go inside your list and find the things that are the most meaningful, the items that are most meaningful to you, and circle them inside your list. This isn't good enough. 
um, dishonoring my schedule, comparing myself to other writers, having the thought it's pointless and meaningless and futile to do this. Okay. Um, rereading when things get tough and not honoring my process and having the thought this isn't real work. You know, there's other more important work to be done. Okay, so if you have thoughts on there, uh, make them as specific as you possibly can so that they're the actual words that you're saying to yourself when the thought occurs. Otherwise, go in there and make sure the things that you circled, especially the one that you're going to work with tonight, is really concrete and specific, as concrete and specific as you can make it. I chose two, just as examples. One is the thought, this is pointless, meaningless, and futile. Okay, that's getting in my way a lot lately. The other one is isolating and disconnecting. But that's not very specific, so I need to take that down a level. So if you have something that's kind of vague like that, make sure you're bringing it down to what you really mean. What I really mean is I'm not talking to other writers, spending too much time in my head. Okay, so that's something that's getting in my way also. Okay, everybody got one? Yep, okay. Now we've got to talk about how to get rid of them. This is the hard part. Okay, so far everything we've done has just been talking about this. Now we have to take the extra step and decide whether or not we're going to actually do something. So, taking concrete specific actions, having the motivation to do it, and actually pursuing it is what's going to move these things aside. Talking about it like we have doesn't really... It keeps you in that 85%. If you want to make the 15% of people who make their resolutions, this is where it happens. Two things you need to know to eliminate roadblocks. Two different approaches to getting rid of them. Tasks and practices. Okay? Tasks are single steps that you take toward eliminating a roadblock. So if we're talking about real roadblocks, the crew coming out and getting rid of the cones and taking the barriers down, blasting the boulders out, one-off steps are tasks. Practices are things that you have to do on an ongoing basis and revisit. So uh, filling the potholes, salting the ice, that type of thing that has to be repeated. For me, this is pointless, meaningless, and futile. That's going to require a combination of tasks and practices to get rid of. <laughs> You'll never do it. Actually, I've done this one before. It just keeps coming back. Um, so, for example, a task that I might come up with to abolish this roadblock is craft a personal statement of meaning about writing. Okay, sit down and write a paragraph of why I'm doing this and what it means to me and why it's important. All right, once I've done that, it's out of the way. But that's not enough. I'm going to need some practices too. And for me, that's going to take the shape of starting to practice identifying when I have that thought and when I have that thought, reading my statement of personal meaning. And reading my statement of personal meaning every time I sit down to write. Okay, so with that combination of tasks and practices, I can start making moves toward getting that roadblock out of there. Does that make sense? 
So for not talking to other writers or spending too much time in my head, I mean, that's a pretty easy one for me, really. Tasks, I'm going to make a, a date with my writing group. I have a great writing group, which sometimes we just kind of drift apart and we don't meet. Got to do it. Got to call them up and make a meeting. Go to a reading. If I get out there and I engage the writing community, I start to feel less disconnected and isolated and get out of my head. So that's another important task I need to do. Give a reading. I mean, for me, that's big. Every time I do that, I feel really engaged and that isolation goes away. And if I can't find a place where anybody wants me to read my work, have a party where writers come over and we read work to each other. There are so many things I can do task-wise to make this thing go away. As far as practices, my wife Kat, she's a writer also. If I tell her every night about my writing day and I ask her about hers, that's a practice that helps me feel less uh, isolated and disconnected. Does that make sense, tasks and practices? I think that this gets to what we were talking about earlier, about needing to bring things down to real, real concrete specifics. If we take the steps to do that, um, then we can actually see these things start to go away. I think sometimes you have to be creative with your tasks and practices. We're all different, and we're all going to need a different approach to make them go away. So uh, here's another sort of tenet of coaching, like the gap. You have all the information that you need inside of you, all the knowledge that you need to be able to make these things go away. It already lives in there. So when you're thinking of tasks and practices, let that information come up to the surface. Be creative and list things that are specific to you. So having that writer's party, that's probably not for everybody, but I know it works for me. So when you're thinking of these things, be yourself, be creative. So that's the next step. Okay, take a couple of minutes to list some tasks and practices that you can do that are specific to the roadblock you circled from your list. Okay, take a couple minutes to do that. As you're going or if you're done, look at your tasks and practices and make sure that they're as specific and concrete as you can make them. They should be a one-off thing. If it's a task, it should only take one step. If it takes more than one step, break it down. Okay, we want these as specific and concrete as possible so when they turn up on our calendar or we put them on a to-do list, all we have to do is one thing and we can cross it off. And let me just get you to do one more thing because I think that sharing these with somebody else, if you're willing, brings you into a state of accountability. So just turn to your neighbor and tell them what you're going to do. Just take a minute and chat it out. And if you find that your neighbor's got something that's not that concrete or that needs to be refined, help them refine it. Okay, nice work, everybody. I, I heard a lot of good, a lot of good conversation. A lot of people coming up with really concrete steps, and and I hope that you'll take them. I think you know, for me, just the act of doing this itself is kind of empowering, um, and the act of following through on it is even more empowering. It almost becomes habitual in a good way. So I hope that you will all 
take the steps that you have written down. And if it works for you, do it on all those roadblocks that you came up with in your list. You may have to go home and do the free rights again to really tap in and see if there's anything else hanging out there. But you have a start. <clears throat> and if you see it through, you will see those things start to disappear. Um, they dissolve almost without your being aware of it. And then the next thing you know, you're feeling pretty good and you're writing pretty well. I have a challenge for you, which I'm going to take for myself. And that is, let's see, it's... So if we each circled one thing, and it's already January 22nd, so that'll be our February roadblock. My challenge is to get rid of a roadblock every month for the rest of the year. So get out of the territory of trying to shoot for some big nebulous goal, and every month just look at one of these roadblocks, break it down into tasks and practices, and see where you are at the end of the year. You'd probably be pretty surprised. So that's all I've got for you. I'm going to hang around if you want to talk about tracking these things. If you have any questions you want to ask about this, we can talk about anything we've gone over. But otherwise, thanks for coming. I appreciate your being here. And just remember that you have to do this stuff consistently and always to make it really work. So have a good night. I'm going to sit down now and take questions if you have any. Can I give you this? Can you say a little bit more about what you mean by tracking? Yeah, by tracking I mean finding a way um, <clears throat> that works for you to know where these steps and practices are so that you actually do them. Right? So for me, I, like, I have a Google Calendar, and I like to put them on a Google Calendar. So when they, arrive, when they arise on a, on a particular day, a certain practice or a certain step, I just do it on that day. So for example, you know, make a date with my writing group. I'm going to put that on my calendar as a, as a thing to do. And when that little reminder pops up on my screen, I mean, that's where it becomes up to me, right? If I do it, the thing happens. If I don't, it doesn't. But that's what I mean by tracking. Some people just put it on a to-do list. Uh, I have white bars all over my office. I put it up on whiteboards. So whatever it takes for you to know what you have to do, that's what I mean by tracking. Thank you for listening to the Lighthouse Writers Workshop podcast. We bring this to you thanks to Lighthouse members and funders and listeners like you who support the cause. We are grateful to the SCFD Tier 3 for their support. More information on Lighthouse Writers Workshop and opportunities for involvement can be found on our website at www.lighthousewriters.org.